Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 703, with Jason Berkowitz. Every employee just needs to know two things. What does it mean to be doing a good job? And am I doing a good job? Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Don Professional, it does more than just save greasy oil slicking ducks. It also happens to be the number one dish detergent found in almost every commercial kitchen with long-lasting suds that clean 58% more dishes per sink. To learn more, go to www.pgpro.com and experience the grease-fighting power of Don Professional dishwashing liquid. You can find Don Professional at Sam's Club or by visiting samsclub.com slash Don professional this episode is brought to you by bento box a hospitality platform that empowers restaurants through their website during these uncertain times in the industry bento box is supporting restaurants through online ordering and gift cards and restaurant unstoppable listeners get 50 percent off their setup fee get started today by visiting getbento.com slash unstoppable For years, restaurant owners have been pleading for more integration in their restaurants, and they finally got it. Restaurant 365 is a cloud-based, all-in-one, restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with POS systems, payroll providers, and food and beverage vendors. Head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30% off implementation and a free inventory build in Restaurant 365 a value of $5,000. What's going on, Unstoppables? Uh, man, if you're listening to this as it's getting published, it is some weird times out there with the coronavirus and what the state of the industry is going to be and just what we can do right now to uh, have the best chance of surviving this thing. So if you guys haven't been following the Corona Chronicle series, I've been publishing alongside Restaurant Unstoppable. I highly recommend you start listening to those episodes. Uh, just kind of, it's essentially what Restaurant Unstoppable is uh, going after successful restaurant tours to, to get best practices, but I'm just super focused, niching it down to subjects around the coronavirus. Uh, I was going to do one long episode, but the truth is things are changing so fast. This this thing is evolving so fast. The regulations are changing. The mandates are changing. The the state of the industry across the, the, the nation is changing so fast. I just one episode didn't make sense. So instead, I'm doing a bunch of mini episodes, bite-sized episodes of best practices. Uh, really, what I'm trying to do is bring the industry together so we can try to pull in the same direction and get through this thing as fast as possible. And I've gotten some great feedback on that mini series. So if you aren't listening to that series, I highly recommend you do. And uh, I would love for you guys to give me leads of anybody in your community who's who's doing really great stuff to help um, not just our industry, but all industries, all communities get through this together. And I think that's kind of the, the hashtag is togetherness through this all will come through the other side. Just because I'm recording these Corona Chronicles does not mean that Restaurant Unstoppable has stopped because it's unstoppable. We're, we're still going. We're still publishing two deep dive conversations with restaurateurs or experts covering a specific topic or somebody's career and what they've learned. And today I have Jason 
Berkowitz on the show. Really great conversation. He's kind of like a hybrid restaurateur slash consultant. And we get deep into the psychology of training, uh, just empathy in general. Like the, this is a mostly a culture conversation, uh, but there's some really great advice around systems and processes too. Really well rounded, deep, long conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jason Berkowitz, my man, Jason. Are you feeling unstoppable today? Unbelievably unstoppable. Yes, I cannot wait to dive into your story, and I know it's going to be a good one. Raised in Cleveland, Ohio, Jason Berkowitz is a hospitality veteran dedicated to team development and operational excellence. Jason Jason credits his psychology degree from Michigan State University for helping shape his unique approach to hospitality and team management. His career spans more than 40 restaurant openings from fast casual to fine dining. He's held a number of posts, including VP of Operations, for Umami Burger and COO for Takaya Organica. I don't know why that's hard to say. Takaya Organica. (laughs) Takaya Organica. Uh, Today, Jason serves as CEO and founder of uh, Arrow Up Training, a stylized anti-harassment training and supervisory coaching program for restaurants. Uh, Obviously, we're just scraping the surface. I cannot wait to get into your story, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you got for us? You know, I thought, I thought a little bit about this because it's the one that I've been, comes in and out throughout the years. And some people feel it's a little direct and harsh, but the truth is what's worked for me is show up. Yes, dude. Show up. I love it. Ain't nothing to it, but to do it. Just keep showing up. The hustle is real. And that, and that means show up for your team, show up, show up for yourself. Sometimes it means don't show up, you know, you're not in a good place, you're sick or something, but how do you take care of your team? Yeah. How do you call out? Yeah. Who, how are you taking care of everybody around you? So yeah. really, show up. The hustle is real. And it's where the hardest part is just showing up, right? When we think about the thing we have to do, that's something that we've been putting off, right? And we're like, oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. The energy we put into just thinking about how we don't want to do it is just not worth Once you show up, you're like, why was I making a big deal about this? I'm here now. Like, let's just get it done, right? Many more times than not, I've grown, I've learned, I've succeeded. Something happened because after I second-guessed it for some minute, nope, get in the car, get on the train, just show up. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. So you have a unique entry into the hospitality world. Um, Probably my first, uh, and I'll let you share how you got into hospitality, not really directly within hospitality, but close enough to hospitality. When you think of warmth, generosity, caring, like th- the family business. Yeah. Like this definitely like what, what, what was your entry into the, the, the world of hospitality? So it began, I'm the fourth generation of funeral directors, mm-hmm. uh, in Cleveland, Ohio. And so this obviously carries through my bloodline. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the business it's taking care of your community really is what it comes down to. And so hospitality is at the root of it, right? You're taking care of people when they're at their worst. Mm. And so you have to put yourself in an interesting position because you have to remove yourself and your ego and everything from the mix because it's not about you, it's about them. And kind of to dive into this for a moment, I've seen my father, who's an extremely proud man. I mean, extremely proud, a little bit of a temper, but I mean, a loving, loving individual, a great father. Um, but I'm saying not a problem standing up for what he, what he believes in. I've seen him get just reamed by a guest for something or a a customer or somebody we were taking care of for something that was not his fault at all. 
And I would say to him, how did you, when I was younger, how, how did you stand there? I mean, the way he blew up at you over nothing, he's like, because it's not about me and it's not about the moment. He's tired. Think, he, and he told me, think about it. Think about where he is. Did he sleep last night? He's at his lowest point. He's burying somebody he loved. He's got the weight of his family on him. Can he pay the bills for it? Right. We need to be there for them. Mm. And so kind of to carry it a little bit further, because I think that's what's going to be about tangents in these conversations, yeah. is what's amazing is then a lot of the details and how that matters, because in the end, it comes down to the trust. When you're talking about the funeral home, you're talking about th- a lot of things that people can't see. There's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that people just trust you. Mm-hmm. Um, some obvious, some not so obvious. So there was, I remember a moment when, so the cars needed to be cleaned perfectly. And I remember there was a moment that it, one of the cars was a little bit dirty and it was a hearse and it was about to pull out of the garage. And I remember my father stopping the gentleman who was about to pull out and say, you know, it's a little bit dirty. And the guy was like, and it was raining that day. And the guy was like, it's raining. No one's going to notice this or see this. This makes no sense. And to my father, that made no sense. In that split second when the door opens and it pulls out, that's the moment of trust. And and sure, maybe no one will ever see it, but did it leave the line clean? Did it leave the garage ready to go? Can they trust us in all those details that they can see? Yeah, it's it's the one of the. I mean, when you're thinking about it, like that, that's a statement. I mean, it's a it's in the in the event of a funeral, like that is like a symbolic moment, right? Of like, do we care about this person's right. like exit? You right. Know? Do we care about this person's exit? Are we taking care of all the details? So that was the start, and that was the beginning of my hospitality. But that also was also the beginning of service. Mm. I, I I saw it right. That was the beginning of your names on the building. Go pick up that tissue that you saw across the floor. How does that make somebody feel? So trust, service, and in the end, hospitality, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people have their philosophies. I, I you know, the, the student and, the, and the, the education of the great Danny Meyer, you know, it's hospitality is how you feel. Yeah. So having the power to remove your ego and say, I'm going to be service, of service to somebody where they are right now, because it makes a difference on how they feel and I have more power in the moment. That was a foundation that stuck with me that I carry through in multiple times when I find myself digging deep to not, or throughout the years to not let go or, or kind of lose it for a moment because mm. I knew I was right. So the biggest things I'm, I'm pulling out of this is that the best way to, to get trust or one of the good ways to get trust is by showing people you care, right? And paying attention to the details and putting the effort in. If you put the effort in, that's a, gr- it's a good, good way to, to earn trust is one thing I'm hearing from me. The other thing is the importance um, that reflecting back at your dad, just the, the value of empathy and the value of understanding where they're at, you know, like this in a normal circumstance might be irrational, but you gotta, you gotta put yourself in their position. Like where are they coming from? And at the end of the day, we're here to serve them. Right. That's what matters. I mean, am I, am I missing any other big takeaways or is that kind of like the, the gist of it? Incredible. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> so what about your dad? I think you, you talked about your dad just a little bit more. I like to say behind every great restaurant is a great person or people. And we we become who we are because of those who influence us, right? And your dad maybe, did he have a huge influence? There's a lot of reference to him in your book, which I didn't mention during the intro. Please do not sleep with a host, right? Yep. Uh, 50 tips. You, you probably know the title better than I don't. Please don't sleep with the host and 49 other tips for managing a functional and profitable restaurant. Yes. Uh, and you, you mentioned your dad at least one time. I know of right a few times Um, both my parents my mom and my father are of great influences I like to say 
my mother's golden rule, and they're both incredible, incredible people. Hugs, prop me up, uh, work hard, you know, great work ethic and great support. My mother's golden rule is do unto others as you will have yeah. them do unto you. My father's golden rule is he who, he who has the gold makes the rules. <laughs> and it was an incredible... Um, and they're divorced. And so I, you know, I kind of <laughs> allude to that and understandably yeah. <laughs> so. But it was an incredible duality for me to grow up with because there's that idea of the empathy. And at the same time, the hustle is real. Show up. All those types of feelings with... Um, you know, the golden rule. He yeah. was the gold makes the rules. Somebody's putting their name on the deed. Somebody's, you know, there's a, there's a chapter in the book, work like you own the place, never forget that you don't. Yeah. And it's respecting the fact that, and for restaurant owners out there, right? If your name's on the dotted line and the deed, the buck stops with you. Yeah. And we need to respect that. And so I loved that philosophy. So from that, though, still comes from the same individual, the story of empathy, All of that. And so what an incredible, um, I think what I've really learned from both of them is, is with the love of it, the vulnerability of it, and truthfully, and he's great at this too, laugh first. Yeah. Laugh at yourself first. You know, there's the jokes. We make fun of ourselves first. We grew up in in the Mel Brooks type of philosophy. Make fun of everybody, starting with yourself. And so my father was a a huge influence, especially in business, Mm. because... He took a family business, then he acquired other similar businesses, grew the business. He shrunk our living at a particular point, so he went into to growth mode. It wouldn't be so startup mode. Then that worked to a point where he was able to sell the business but still stay a part of it because the community and all that was so important. So not to go too far off a tangent, um, incredible, incredible people with incredible lessons. Well, it's kind of funny because before the, we hit record, you were talking about like you're a moderate, you're in the middle, right? But you have your parents that are on either kind of seem like either sides of the spectrum, but you kind of came out, you pulled a little bit from each side, yep. you know? And I think that's good to have that open mind and to see the good in either direction. It's not really a great thing to be polar in my opinion, whether it's left or right, you know? Um, what are your thoughts on that? I, I think what's really important is to listen and to learn and to absorb. I'm a moderate. Yeah. Um, I'm extremely socially liberal. I'm, I'm, I mean, to say, and I'm fiscally conservative because I've, I've balanced the books of a, of a small business and I watched a lot of friends close businesses and and helped a lot of friends keep businesses open Mm. by looking at it, but looking at the whole picture and in the end, what you give, you get back. And so all, both my parents and myself believe that we're all connected. Yeah. It's a community. It's a life. It's a world. What you do affects everyone. So it's about the center of the boat. Mm. And so to me, I try to find the balance into the center of the boat. And in the center of the boat, that, that's where I kind of live. Yeah. So I'm, I'm answering the question a little bit. And they both, they're on spectrums, but they still... She, my mom ran a small business too. So, so she has a lot of those philosophies as well of understanding that you need to take care of your team yeah. because without both of them, without your team, you're nothing. Mm. Um, and you want to show your team, you want to share with your team the, the reason why you need them to work for you and you need to inspire them, but you need to make decisions that keep the business open. And sometimes that's the team. Sometimes that's letting people go because if you don't keep the ship afloat, 
you, you don't have a boat to be in the center of. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Awesome way to get this thing started. I mean, I, you have a, a great career. I mean, just looking at your career, some of the places you've spent time at, uh, Crafted Hospitality, uh, you, I don't, I've never heard of Cube Cafe. I don't know, you spent a couple of years there. Yeah, awesome. um, <laughs> uh, Umami, which is a pretty well-represented brand, and then um, obviously Sweet Lady Jane, and then we talked about um, the two other, the, the greater restaurant group, which is the- Tokai uh, Organica and yeah, the Madera Group. Yep. And the start- yeah. 14 years old, working in Cleveland at Burger King. Oh, really? That's nice. how I started. So I started <laughs> off literally as a as I self-proclaimed King Whopper Topper nice. in Burger King at 14 years old. Too, too young to work, but you know you know a couple people, <laughs> you make it work. Uh, wheeled and dealed my way up to the cashier. I think it's a great way to get started in this industry because uh, like when you work for a big corporation, something like, like they are, they get the, the systems and the processes so down, they kind, of, they kind of set that standard of what organizations should look like and yep. they give you an aiming point, right? Um, any, I love that idea, an aiming point. Right, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, so any um, big lessons from the, those early experiences? Or I mean, I, there's, you're such a wealth of knowledge. I kind of feel like we should just like, like okay. progress, but I don't want to like leave anything out either. No, I mean... Uh, structure's great. What was interesting was, here's a great one. Um, I call it smile down the line, whatever they called it when I went into cashier was truly the opportunity of everybody who walks into the line, connect with them, say hi, no matter who you're working with. Burger King was incredible with that. Um, at the same time, there were a lot of screwed up characters working there. So there's still the human nature Mm. that attracted itself to, and we were, we were trying to work within the processes itself, but you're still trying to get the best you can out of people, but we're all a little messed up. Um, so it was a combination. Uh, there's throughout those years, I learned some of the tricks you can play that I'm not so happy about. Worked the drive through and opened up my fingertips and let a couple dimes fall through. And then I would go around and pick them up to buy lunch. Cause they would, they didn't want to get out of their car and they would hand it back to me. And I don't think I've told that story <laughs> to many people, but look, sometimes the best cops were a little bit of a criminal at some point <laughs> and nothing too bad and nothing so harmful, but it, a lot of it teaches you when you get to a point that you're the, the chief operating you're 14 officer years old, man, I'll give you a break. Yeah. Yeah. 14 and then to 15, I was yeah. doing this, but yeah. I learned it. And then yeah. I knew other, I was look. I knew to look for it if other people were doing yeah. it. Yeah. And so that made me a stronger manager and mm. supervisor. Yeah. I feel that. So psychology, I mean, is it worth, like, I mean, maybe the, the psychology aspect, I mean, it's worth mentioning. I mentioned it during the intro. Right, right. You have, like, and that's something I notice a lot about my guests is that there seems to be this gravitation towards how people work and people who are like, who study human nature, whether it's psychology or sociology, there's a lot of us in this industry. I can't help but know it. Maybe it's because I'm interested in that stuff and I notice it. But have you seen the same thing? I have. And I remember you talking about that on, on a previous show. Yeah. And I loved that because I was somewhat uh, engaged and attracted to that. What's interesting is what I don't know for myself is how much the education in psychology helped shape the way to being a leader. Or how much just because I was attracted to it meant that I was attracted to human nature. And by being into it, engaged by it, let's say, meant that I wanted to study it and understand it and listen to it. And so the core of it always, going back to how you nailed it with empathy, um, and I didn't even really realize that that's what I was learning at the time, so bravo on that, um, is are you listening? Are you being empathetic? Are you looking to understand what's going on in somebody else? And then at that point, do you care? 
and how are you going to use that information for the greater of the good? I think that's the the, the keystone right there, the hinge. Do you care? Right. Oh, right. Because yeah. yeah, I yeah. mean, you can recognize this stuff, but it's giving a fuck that matters. It's right? totally like because what yeah. are you going to do about it once you right. identify? Right? Where's your intention? Yeah. So, uh, what were the biggest lessons you, you you drew from your time studying psychology that you think you apply to these days? Well, I think that you know you can have a lot of different theories behind it. I think one of the greatest ones that I did learn is that we are all a little messed up. Yeah, um, I love that you say that because I think we all have this like ex- there's a, this expectation of us to be standard, right? To be the, the, what fit into this box, but we all have baggage, man. There's not one person I've met that doesn't have an issue, right? No. Even if they're like really impressive, they might have an anger issue, you know, like something like that, like. And if you come in with that understanding in front of somebody, then you hopefully disarm the moment. And then you disarm the ego, and then you actually get to the root of something that's important. Then you can work on something together. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's we're all a little messed up. It's a key to the foundation. It's probably my next book um, in some title and some variation of it. We're all a little messed up. Yeah, so <laughs> I already wrote the first cha- – I already wrote about 10 chapters, and, nice. the, and the, the first one is – uh, first chapter one, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will screw me up for life. <laughs> yeah. Surviving the playground. Right. And so understanding how much the playground influences all that we're doing and we're trying to overcompensate and where we're going and all that's happening with it, that's a lot of the lessons that I took away from school and education, tying it back to that, as well as some of the books, as well as I met some of the most incredible teachers. I went to Michigan State University. I had an incredible... Um, I had some incredible psychology teachers back in Cleveland, Ohio, Beachwood specifically. Is Michigan State in Ann Arbor? Or is that? Uh, no, that's that's U of M. Okay. Uh, There's a big rivalry there. We, we've ended this How interview. dare I? Yeah, yeah. How dare I? Well, the joke is, and I grew up in Ohio, so Buckeyes. Ohio State and Michigan are a real rivalry. Okay. Michigan State, and they've it's grown over the years, but during the time when I was in school, we tried to create at Michigan State more of a rivalry with Michigan than there was, oh. whereas Ohio State and Michigan was the real rivalry. Oh. <laughs> so, no, we're East Lansing, gotcha. um, Michigan State. And so they had a, but an incredible, you know, your educators get you going. Um, Dr. Bain in, in, in high school, Mr. King, you know, and then you go up through college. And some of these educators that really just, they put you on the path of books and, and a lot of it, you just find great people, and maybe that's some of the greatest thing that I found was these great minds who also were engaged and studied and educated in psychology, and then they helped form my brain and mm. my life yeah, um, and my empathetic uh, lens. So, I mean, is there, is there another this layer is fun. there? Is there another layer? Like, Is there like a specific like outlook that you think that you garnered from that time that has served you most to this day? I think that's a great question and, and hard to answer on the spot. And People are like, well, of, I wish you would send me this question. I'm like, I yeah. don't know the questions until I have them. <laughs> right, right. Um, no, I think I really got into Freud. Okay. Um, here's what's great, right? So Freud is the whole like... Uh, psychoanalytic theory. Yeah, like rewards, basically. Re- psychoanalytics, you go for five years. What's a subconscious? Your, your id, your id, which is what you want. Okay. Your ego is how I'm going to get it, and your super ego is should I get it? Mm. And what was really kind of cool was I really got into Freud, and in that you, if you wanted to, there was this theory that if you had a problem, you would go deep into into psychotherapy, into the root of it eventually, and uncover it. And once you uncovered it, 
the symptom, you would realize the the cause of it. So, you know, the cause of it. And then at that point, you would release it. And then there was Albert Ellis, which was somewhat, and, and forgive me, God, for those that are really studying it, this is years and lots of drinks and <laughs> some joints and stuff like that along the way. So one was like cognitive yeah. of how you consciously think of something and handle it. So it's a bit of a a battle. Then you've got Jungian, which is the collective unconscious. So bringing this to for a quick moment, I what's interesting is I was really into this theory as I carried over that you needed this deep psychology, and I myself have gone to years and years of, of psychology, and I think it helped. Um, you know, product divorce, this and that, and for yeah. whatever reason. Yeah. You know, um, Woody Allen, watched some of that growing up, felt I needed <laughs> it. And, but... More and more, I started to come into the play today, which is how much do you need to go backwards and how much do you need to just focus on the breath, move into the moment, and work on traits that as you find yourself starting to react towards the past or things that are triggering things, work on techniques to let it go, breathe, and kind of move through it in a Buddhist sort of present moment. Now, I'm going to be very careful to say there are many people... Gosh, whether there's synaptic firing, which means there's chemical imbalances, they absolutely need that. I'm not saying anything against that. I very much believe in that. Um, I'm not to say that some people don't need to go deep into the past, work through trauma, not touching that one. My own journey, I came out of school very much into a psychotherapy way. And throughout the years and through my own journey, my own healing, and through conversations with my mom, who was great about how much do you need to go backwards and how much do you need to just, and, and I, I, there's, I'm not coming from trauma in my life, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm careful to say that and respect that. I'm just an analytical person. So yeah, I, I, I am know. too. I think the, like the, that's why we're geeking out right now because yeah. I love this shit. Um, but the, I think the big things I'm pulling from you, what you drew and how this experience in college has influenced you is first with the whole Freudian thing, knowing that people want things, right? They have right. desires. So what do they want? How can I give that to them? How can I reward that? Like how can I tie into these these inherent like desires, right? Is, am I yep. making too much of a leap there? Yep, keep going. And then the second part with the whole consciousness, the the psyche, the psyche uh, what's the word? Um, cognitive part right, is right. that we have control of our consciousness. We aren't like other animals that are reactive, more reactive. We can detach from that reactive nature to say, whoa, what's going on here? Like, let me assess the situation. Let me get external. Let me um, let me think about this. Let me, let me choose my, my destiny. Let me choose not to let my past affect me and to focus on the future. It's kind of the summary of what I'm pulling from that. Yeah, and it's not just like I choose. You have to do techniques. You have to work on your breathing. You have to work on your exercise. Yeah. You have to take care of yourself. Um, so to kind of tie it in to show up, part of showing up is saying, all right, if, I, if I'm going to do this, I can't just flip a switch and make it happen. I need to take the effort. Did I drink enough water? Mm. Did I, going back to the moment of the empathy of my father, what are we doing to take care of ourselves, to put ourselves in the moment that we're not going to be influenced by exhaustion, by not eating right, by not taking care of ourselves? What environment are we putting ourselves in? So a lot of times as managers, we have an opportunity to take that extra drink because we need to do it at the end of the night to fall asleep because the day yeah, was insane. We're finally starting to work this into the restaurant. Well, right, right. So, yeah. I, I, I'm pulling on the thread with you yeah, yeah. Um, and, and want to keep this going and not just enough about the past story. Yeah, but yeah. show up is also sometimes it's hard to say I don't want another glass of wine at the end of the night because you need that time to decompress. Yeah. It's about saying, nope, I'm going to go home because I'm going to show up for my team. I'm going to put myself in the right. Then I'm going to be able to choose health 
over tantrums, right? I talk about half technique, not tantrums in the book. And you try to find yourself to say, why am I shouting at something? I need to take a moment because what do I want out of the moment? Well, what am I doing to put myself in a position that I can bring my best version of myself to the moment? Mm. Psychology, tying that all back into today, it's the understanding of all of this that what do you have control over and what are you not? And what are you doing about it's it? It's the understanding that my actions have a result and I can completely choose Amen. where I put myself by Amen. being aware. Right. And, and, and the victim isn't cute yeah. where it's, we haven't. And, and again, I'm always careful on these points cause I've worked with a lot of people. So shed it. You have the power to, for today, for tomorrow. What am I doing? How am I taking care of it? Show up, move forward. Let's go. Yeah. I think we're at a good spot to take our first break. The thing our sponsors will be right back. Let's get real. Grease is a fact of life in any commercial kitchen. But with the grease fighting power of Dom Professional Manual Pot and Pan from P&G Professional, you'll clean more dishes in every sink compared to leading private label. Dom Professional has the power you need to fight tough grease and get those squeaky clean dishes you're looking for. With long lasting suds that clean up to 58% more dishes per sink and reduce sink changeovers by 35%, saving up to 6,000 gallons of hot water per year versus private label, it's no wonder Don Professional is the number one dish detergent in the U.S. P&G Professional's complete restaurant cleaning program includes products, equipment, and 24-7 service to deliver a noticeable clean that will keep your patrons coming back time and time again. To learn more, go to www.pgp.com. PRO.com and experience the grease fighting power of Dom Professional dishwashing liquid. You can find Dom Professional at Sam's Club or by visiting samsclub.com slash Dom Professional. Now go get it. We're back and uh, I want to start getting into your work history. I mean, I, I don't. I saw this one. Uh, I used your LinkedIn, your LinkedIn account uh, to kind of get an idea of where you've been. Was uh, DeviantArt, did that have anything to do with hospitality or is that... DeviantArt is the is the largest online art community, and it was when I kind of stepped out for a minute. What was great about DeviantArt was it's its own circle. It's a very selective group of people, deviants, um, a little lost, and so I loved it because I was able to connect and and get involved with them. And actually what helped in is today, and we'll, we'll kind of get to that a little bit later, it's a tech company and I helped them go into an office, put some people together, put some human resource together. So it was people management and engaging and relating with people. That was important, but something to move through quickly as okay. far as this. So, I mean, we definitely got to hover over your time at Craft Hospitality, Crafted Hospitality, uh, Tom Colicchio's uh, restaurant group. And if you guys aren't familiar with Tom Colicchio, uh, the reason why he's significant, he's, he helped original, well, I mean, Crafted Hospitality in itself is a great organization. He came up with Danny Meyer. He was Danny Meyer's first. Get Gramercy Tavern. Yep. They, uh, together they opened Gramercy Tavern. Yeah. yeah. So um, you must have picked up some nuggets from a guy that um, – has so many to share. Well, what's interesting is, and for not to kind of pull back the curtain, when you get to that level, yeah, you're not working uh, right under room. You're not. You're <laughs> not. You're, you you show up. You drop a couple uh, inspirational bombs, and you try to stay out of the way of your chefs. And so Matthew Acarino was the executive chef, and that's what's kind of cool is you you um you become good enough. And what you have to do, and I think Anthony Bourdain got into this, he kept opening up shows and restaurants and things like that because you scale a team up beneath you who's with you loyally, you need to give them opportunities. So 
I came into a point where he was scaling up craft craft uh, craft hospitality, and they were opening up craft out here in Los Angeles, and gave the position. I actually came in as a server. Okay, came in as a server. Got to see how a company like this comes over seas, basically comes out to California. What was a great opportunity? I was kind of stepping back from management, figuring some things out, getting into into it. And what was really cool was. You still run into a lot of the same problems. When are we opening up? What's hitting with the timeline? Who's managing construction? And not to call them out on it, but they ran into some of that. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that's natural with every restaurant group. I mean, even the best struggle, you know, uh, even the best seek help from consultants. Right, right, you right. Know, you recently, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about some of your clients. Are you allowed to talk about some of your clients? Well, I think we're just going to talk about it. And I mean, then, you there recently it goes. just came off of uh, helping open the Gucci. Yeah, um, got to work with the, the maestro, uh, um, uh, Massimo Batura, Chef Massimo Batura and yeah, Gucci and Gucci Osteria. And they just opened up their first uh uh, United States restaurant. They have one in Florence. They opened up United States. Gucci brought myself and, and one of my consulting partners, uh, Mark Laval, in, and we we helped them transition from Gucci, which is a retail organization that was wise enough to say, we don't open restaurants. It's in the United States. They brought us in, and we helped take the team, open up, and, and hand the ship off, and they're just coming out of soft opening right now. So I've... Had the pleasure to work with incredible people. But again, here's what's cool. Massimo grew a team. The team then put the menu together for Massimo and then with Massimo. And to be there and to to have them taste and inspire and teach and educate and talk about how food needs to be pretty and feeds the soul and it's the biggest act of love and the, the... demand for... Or the command for perfection and how you're getting it and to inspire people. To watch somebody become a master and then develop people into their their talents and to become masters themselves is one of the greatest gifts to be able to be a part of and to help them. So I'm there putting process in place and structure in place and truthfully helping word the language, the story. What's really amazing about Massimo's uh, and Gucci, but their their collaboration is... Their dishes are based on the stories. So everything comes from the story of the dish. Mm. The per, like the sourcing, the, 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 the well, technique. No, no. The, the, the inspiration of it. So Sunny Side Up is one of the, um, is one of the pastry dishes from Tamara. And you have Mattia Gatze is the, the executive chef here. And he's incredible. And Tamara is the pastry chef. And Sunny Side Up was, she walked out. She, she came to L.A., and went and saw her first sunset in California and the burnt oranges and reds. Okay. And she made this beautiful dish that looks like a sunset. That's cool. Right there on the plate. And the story that connects you to the dish, I, I learned this. Back to, should I go back to, you know, craft? I then became, what was really cool was I became, uh, come opening day, uh, Chef Colicchio, Tom Colicchio, sat us all around and said, Look, I've done Top Chef. Uh, I've come out as a celebrity where right here in in Los Angeles, we're serving celebrities. We're near CAA, the agency. We're coming from this big uh, movement that's happening. Look, I'm a regular dude. I just want to have drinks with people. Don't be pretentious. Have conversations. We're serving great food, but we're serving it in casual. Don't just assume everyone wants bottled water. Offer them ice water. They're coming in to have the food. They're coming in to have a great time. Don't, you know, 
be relatable. Please be an extension of me. Be relatable. Boom, right there, an extension of me. And I was going to bring this to the surface because you said that he wasn't there, but the people that he surrounded himself, he, he imprinted himself on those people. He gave them the culture. He established the standards, right? So you're going to get a piece of oh. Tom Colicchio working in his restaurants because the idea is to make it an extension of you and to, to impose your values on those you surround yourself with, right? Very, very much. Let me say this. You have to, it only works if you've developed the people, you've infused them with your ideology, your techniques, your talents, and then you get out of their way just enough. So he was very much there. He was very much in the story, in the speaking, just as Massimo, very much in the verbiage, the words, the way that we're doing things, and was there during the opening. But they also, great mentors and masters who are building uh, an empire, know to give somebody the the room to breathe. Mm. And then when we went into opening, so he, he had this philosophy with us, but then what was great was, then he said he looked at all of us and he went, no one's dying on the operating table. <laughs> Let's have fun tomorrow. Yeah. And I loved that. Yeah. What an incredible, so as we talk about great nuggets throughout the years to great mentors that I've had the pleasure of working alongside, I loved that. Mm. No one's dying on the operating table. I love it. It's okay. Yeah, it's all fires are coming. We're all wake up in the morning and just wait to see how long till we get kicked in the groin. <laughs> We're going to figure it out. No one's dying on the opportunity. Yeah, man, I love it. And I think that the, the just to come full circle on the point that I was trying to make with um, Massimo and Gucci and uh, Tom Calico, like all these people, the reason why they're great is because they know when to ask for help. They know when to outsource. They know when to bring people in. And the, like nobody has all the answers. People make mistakes, right? They're, we're all naturally human innately human. And it's, you know, like at times, like you, you lean on expert help every once. So you bring in the, I've noticed the most successful people in this industry are the ones that are the first to go to expert help. You don't think Danny Meyer and Union Square Hospitality is hiring consultants? Yeah. Yeah, they well, are. Even to extend beyond that, they're visionaries. So do what you do well and surround yourself with the right exactly. people and give them a reason to stay around exactly. you. That is the key. That's the key. Do what you do well. If you're a visionary and you see the plate, and a lot of chefs are, surround yourself with the right people, figure out what your role is, yeah. and balance it. Yeah. Balance yourself with that so that you can do it, and then you're going to get it done, and it's going to be far better than you could ever imagine. Yeah, and I think I like, I like to lean on uh, Gary Vaynerchuk and Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek calls it why guys and, and how guys, right? If you're right. a why guy, right. you need the how guys. You need to surround right. yourself with the how guys because they're going to execute it. And, and the same with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. You're either in the clouds or you're in the dirt. Like most people like like CEOs and like people who like are the founders are like live in the, the clouds or the why guys. Right. And they need help in the dirt and in the, with the how, right. Uh, we need to surround ourselves with those people. And that's, I know it's a conversation for later in uh, uh, the, the speed round. So we'll get yeah, into yeah, it later, yeah, yeah. but, but that's something to draw on. You have visionaries and your, and your integrators. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So any other big lessons with Tom uh, at crafted hospitality before we move on to your next, your, your first leadership position in hospitality? Is it not? Uh, yeah. Cause then I moved to wine captain. Uh, no, no, no. Well, so your management. I, I was management before, uh, in Detroit. I was, uh, ma- I was management at 16 at, okay. uh, the Damn. local coffee shop. Damn. So I came in and took over and flipped everything around. <laughs> so I'd been management throughout the years. I just kind of wanted to take a step back and get onto this ship and watch it grow. Um, the beauty, the attention to detail. So the lighting was perfect. The and this is all 
And it's I, all crafted. Yeah, okay. talking about craft. The lighting was perfect. The food was incredible. The wines. What I learned from surrounding myself with David Lusby was mm. the was the psalm there. Insane. The style of service. The ca- the 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 captain style of service. Let's break this down. Talk about lighting. What like wasn't it, was it just how they lighted? What did they do to make the lighting? Ambient? So that was about a time when the Edison bulbs were just coming into play. What are we talking about? Two thousand two thousand eight. Give you two thousand six to two thousand eight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. So, um, that's when Edison at least was hitting out here. Maybe there was somebody could be listening and be like, "Man, I had Edison in my sure, absolutely." Yeah. But it was starting to kind of take over. And it, what that Edison is that soft, beautiful glow. And they, you saw the rawness in the bulb. It wasn't covered. It was the pin light was there. It was beautiful. Um, I remember, I remember there was this beautiful. Uh, dig, dignified lady who was there and probably, you know, mid-80s, let's say. And she, we'd gotten to know each other and she'd come back and she said to me, do you know one of the reasons I come back? And I said, it's incredible here, the food, of course. And she said, first you, you're, you know, and it was fun and this isn't about me. She said, but the real reason, the lighting. Mm. And she said, I always want to look good for my date. Mm. And and her date was her husband that they'd been married for over 50 years together. But she always wanted to look good for her date. Nice. And I, um, I loved that. And I really took that to heart of how important that was, the little details. Um, so it all came together. And one other point. I, and this is kind of interesting for, for those who like wine out there, for, for the you know, listeners like myself. I was coming off of a steakhouse. I'd, I was working. I was part of Mastro's. I'd previously been in Smith & Walensky. We're talking bold. We're talking big. We're talking California. And I'd come off that type of world. And moving into craft was much softer, European, um, Suddler. Even in the United States, Willamette Valley, you know, up in Oregon, softer, lighter. And so I'd really learned the power of finesse working with the whole organization Colicchio's whole organization, the power of the finesse in the dish, the finesse in the wine, how you have to lean in and listen to what's going on. And look, here's something kind of fun. I remember I had a great, you know, you learn a lot from your great GMs, and this was in a previous role um, who was a big wine drinker, and he taught me, and we're kind of going off, but coming back, he said, California wines are like uh, prostitutes. You know, here you go. This is what I got. Here it is. Let me show you what I got. (laughs) And he meant Napa. Napa was big at the time. I think Central Coast, California is softer and subtler. And he said, European wines are like a lady of the evening, <laughs> a little softer. You, you, you got to work. You got to listen. You have to buy a drink. You have to pay attention. And I loved that analogy because yeah. f- sometimes you just need a chewy analogy like that to, to land and to understand it. Yeah. And I got into it and I was like, oh, but I was still working in, you know, in steakhouses and various things. So when I got to craft, I was able to test that side of it and learn to listen to the product and to the lighting and to the environment a lot more because before it was just boom and in your face and what's going on. So that was really key. Okay. Any, I mean, there's so much to cover. I feel like we're still early Oops. on in your career. No, you're doing great. I'm loving all the conversations, but I also don't want to cut you short. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you eventually, you spent two years from 2009 to 2011. I'm loving what you're giving us, by the way. This okay. Is gold. Yeah. Um, 2009 to 2011 with Cube Cafe. Um, and then we also obviously have to talk about 2011 to 2013 with Umami Restaurant Group. Right, right. Um, anything that we're 
that we can't just leave behind with crafted hospitality before we move on. No, no, let's move on. Okay, cool. So wh- why move on? I mean, you're with a great restaurant group, uh, tons of opportunity with this group. I'm sure they're opening restaurants. If you stuck with them, you could have probably grown with them. Why move on? Because, um, I was ready to run my own ship again. Okay. And I had a lot of theories. And so Cube was the opportunity. It was my favorite place. It was a little restaurant. Anyone who knows Cube that was in LA, it was the greatest date spot. Cheese and salumi. The owner uh, had Divine Pasta, which is for Trader Joe's, your your truffle pizza and all that stuff that we get and we love comes from him. And, and this was kind of his like his playful world. And the dish was great and was and but the service and there was an opportunity to actually improve the um the business i could tell and so the food was incredible where, where are you in your career right now where, who are you to come in and tell this this guy to help him improve his business well there's a couple things in between which was i'd gone from that i went over to actually got pulled over to katsuya part of the sbe group to help them open i helped them open a little bit you know people were giving me people were saying to me okay are you ready come on like what are you doing you know and respectfully so i appreciate that was that people were telling me, get in the game, man. Come on, you used to be a manager. You're, you're learning. You're at your stuff. It's time to grow. And at that point, I said, okay, I, I'm going to lean in and really do this. And it was a hell of a 10-year trajectory at that point. Mm-hmm. So from that point, I, I went to become a morning manager uh, at a place in L.A. Was there for a little bit. My whole goal was to, to transform their service in the morning, which I did, and then um, quickly left because it was a 5 a.m. job and took the job for Cube. And that, that's what it was about. So Cube then, I'm going to come in. I'm going to help you get an incredible uh, write-up at the LA Times. I'm going to help you do what you want to do. I'm going to give you two years. And this was my opportunity to test my theories as a leader, my boot camp. How do you engage people? You know, new school style, old school respect, which is kind of a statement of mine. This started at Q because I'd come from the old school ways. I'd come from the steakhouse. But it was time for me to say, thank you for showing up. Not you're welcome for having a job. I wanted to test the theories. And I had actually had a reservation at Cube. It was my birthday spot every year for three years. And the first thing I did was canceled my reservation because I ended up working. Uh, that week and kind of, I don't know, just didn't want to do it there at the time. Now I was the new boss. I was the GM. And so Cube was formidable years for me to test my theories and go to my own boot camp. And it was amazing. What were the theories that you said the old, uh, old or new school, new school ways style, respect to old school ways or something? New school like style, old school respect. So part of it was really the way that you engage with your team, saying thank you. I mean, I kind of, I get into the book, we'll get into that a little bit, is... Uh, so you're not pe- talking about so much service style as leadership style. Well, there's two things. One is leadership style. Absolutely. So how are you engaging your team and getting them to work for you? That's it. The other one was service style. I, I started to feel that there were these, I'd come from diners, Burger King, excuse me, fast casual, uh, uh, wasn't really fast casual at the time, uh, full service. And I'd come from these environments and I had a theory that you can sum this up and have a great style of service if you just take care of these 20 tips. So the way that we 
run and bus, hold the glass the bottom 50%, the way that you talk to the guests, the way that you talk about food, the way that you serve, hold the plates. Don't worry about serving from the left to the right unless you're choreographing with somebody else and that's important. Just keep your, keep your, your hands and your, and your body out of the customer's way. So there were also steps of service that I was testing that was going to grow into what is, what is Arrow up today. So you're, you're basically taking the 20 elements that you see at key as to show that you care enough to do it a certain way that you have some type of professionalism there in your, your, your craft, right? Yeah. But not to be completely consumed by it, uh, but to, to tip your hat to it. Right. But to put your emphasis on the, the relationship so much, well, I don't want to get, that's maybe, well, to come with your personality yeah. and to let personality leave lead. There's four things to great service, personality, product knowledge, efficiency and steps and table maintenance. Ooh, that's should we pull back some layers there? I love it. lists. <laughs> yeah. So wait, start from the top. What, what was the, these four things again? So what you want to do and what I'm, you know, for everyone, what, what I look for and, and for what I'm trying to do is find these little nuggets that land yeah. that you have takeaways, right? And we're all looking for these takeaways. We want to hear the story. We want to hear how also these little takeaways that we can apply to ourselves. And so I was constantly trying to minimize and simplify the what I was looking for to be able to communicate that to the team that they can then deliver that. And it was a day that I woke up in the middle of the night, and I knew this was my industry because I'm so passionate about it. And I was like, I got it. Four things. That's it. All you got to worry about, personality, right? Product knowledge, efficiency and steps and table maintenance. So we can run through them, but personality is bring yourself, bring your authentic self to the moment. We don't want to be served by robots. We want you to be yourself. Obviously, adjust to where the table is, adjust to the moment. Don't just come in like a bull in a china shop. Part of yourself is being able to listen to the moment and adapt a little bit, but show show yourself. So I'm just taking notes. I got the, the you wanted the first one, personality. Like, I think this is really true. People can smell like a fraud they can yeah. they can point out a fraud they can experience a fraud somebody who's going through the motions being what they're told to be versus giving some simple guidelines like the 20 things that you mentioned like 20 tips of service right right um and then now you be yourself and use these tips right and when people show up them and they they get to be themselves it's so much more organic it's so much more fluid yeah right and it's, it's a yeah. natural thing and i think people can be more present with those they're serving when they don't have to think about how should i do this in the way the restaurant wants me to do this, right? And um, that's kind of what I feel like when, when I think of like making it personal. And that's why it's so important that as you're recruiting and hiring, you're hiring for culture and you're hiring for the right person so that you don't... You're aligned from the beginning. Yeah, and you yeah. don't dampen, you support. Yeah. Help them shine. Yeah. Look look at anything in any relationship in your life. Are you, are you cutting the sunshine? Are you helping them shine? Mm. And it's just that simple. So... It starts with recruiting. It starts with you clearly expressing what you're looking for, shining your beacon, what are your core values, and attracting those people so that then you can let them be free and shine. Mm. And then you said the, the next three were product knowledge, product knowledge, efficiency. What was the, the, third, the fourth one? Efficiency in steps and table maintenance. Table maintenance. So product knowledge, right? Know what you're talking about. And if you're able to know what you're talking about, then you're connecting the guests to the product. First off, it's amazing over the years. This was not so much 10 years ago as everybody is asking, is there an allergy? Is there a concern? I think that's fantastic. I love that no matter where I am, someone's asking me about allergies and concerns. Great. So know your knowledge, know your product knowledge, but also just know it to be able to connect. You have confidence 
if you know something, when you have confidence, you're able to, to have passion, right? You're, yeah. you're talking to people who know and love their craft and they're able to speak with passion because they have confidence in it, in what they're talking about. Yeah. Gary Vee also, yeah. always, right? Don't fake it till you make it in that type. Talk about what you know, lean into what you know. So product knowledge, take the time to learn the product. Yeah, Take I, the time to know it. I feel like also with that whole product knowledge, and we, you kind of uh, alluded to this in your book with talking about Danny Matt Meyer and the, uh, connecting the dots. I think in that book he meant connecting the dots with like the communities, the people who know each other in the, in the, in the room. Like when you're, when you're looking at the reservation, like put these people next to each other, like, you know, connect oh, the yeah, dots, yeah, yeah. but also connecting the dots with, I'm talking to my guests. Um, I'm going to see things that they're interested in. And then I'm going to connect the dots with what we have to offer. Right. When you, when you know the product, you can better serve and give the guests what they want. What and you can tailor the experience to their, their needs. When you know the product, you, you can tailor to their needs. When you know them, you're able to connect them both to the product to the environment, to you, and then why do people feel welcomed? Yeah, and I think it's important to mention before we move on to the next bullet, it's your responsibility as ownership and management to make sure that your employees know the product. It's not their responsibility. You, like you got to, like it is their. They have they have the the responsibility to to dive into what you give them, but you have to create the the atmosphere to make it possible for them to know the product, right? Absolutely, and on. And forgive me, I know it's it's through the name, but the, just last week or whenever this will come out a couple of weeks ago was you, it's also your responsibility to set it up that you can set your team up for success. So you want to teach them the product, you want to educate them, you need to give them the information. But if you're going to give them a wine list, you want to give them the, the wine list that goes from light to to heavy body. Yeah, you're going to set it up. So we're talking about setting if you're up gonna, for success. Yeah, you're going to lay out the fish to go from lightest to to the to the richest, mm-hmm. and so set them up for success. And don't just expect that they're all going to remember this and memorize it. Give it to them, and also present it in a way that flows and makes sense for everybody. Yeah, take that responsibility. Yeah, be thoughtful, right? Um, so the next bullet you you dropped on us was the efficiency and steps. What do you mean by that? So there comes a point when you just take a step back and say, what are my next three moves? And at some point it kicks in, you're in the weeds and you've got to do 10 things and you just, for me at least, it clicked and I was like, okay, take a step back. I got to refill table one with water. I got to drop a check off at table two and I need to drop dessert forks off, you know, at three. Well, okay, always, what's the first thing? If you got to drop any mise en place off because you just ordered something, that happens first because mm-hmm. it, dessert can come out in four seconds. You never eat mise en place. It's yeah. got to hit first. No question. So I'm going to drop that off. I'm going to drop the check off. Then I'm going to go refill water. Then I'm going to go back and pick up the check. And by taking a step back and actually coordinating your plan, you get so much more done. So it's that idea of efficiency and steps. I have driven many a server crazy by being the manager, watching the light on in their head of I'm going out of my mind, grabbing them, pulling them aside, and just breathing with them. And they're like, I, I'm going to kill you. No, come on. And breathing in, tell me what you got to do. I got tell me what you got to do. And then I'll say, okay, great. I'm going to go take care of table one and table two. You take care of table three and t- table four. Ready, break. And it's the philosophy of a stitch in time saves nine Measure twice, cut once. There's a reason a lot of these sayings have been passed down. And in anything that you do in any profession, you hopefully come to a point where you learn to take a step back, 
because you're going to be so much more efficient. Yeah. You got sometimes you take a step back. The way I think about it is when you when you step back, you can see more. You can see the big picture, right? And when we were talking, um, all these like little sayings, right? Uh, in aviation, there's a saying for that. It's, it's called being ahead of the airplane. Because when you're flying, um, you can't park. The car. You can't pull over. You know, you can't. I love that. Like, you, you, you can circle if you have to. You can go into a holding pattern. But at the end of the day, like you have to be ahead of the airplane. you got to say, like, where's the plane going next? And what are the three next places? And get everything set up so when you get there, you're ready. When you get there, and like, what's, what could happen in a situation? So you have, like, a backup plan. And like, you, well, maybe that's a little extreme within probably not too unrealistic with on with server on the floor. But just the idea of, like, being ahead of you're just being ahead, like mentally ahead of the, the moves, right? It's and like chess. It's 100%. And, and, I, and just to kind of carry over, the responsibility, because we're talking about that in ownership and in management, and I get into this book a little bit, we also have to prepare inefficiency in steps that things are going to hit us. Mm. So I have to be as efficient as I can be coming in because guess what? The Wi-Fi is going to go down. Mm-hmm. Someone's going to call in. Something's going to happen and if I assume that five things on my plate before I head in are the five things I'm going to have to deal with, then I'm, I'm not setting myself up or my team up for success. Mm-hmm. So very much I need to be efficient in my steps so that I'm prepared to handle what's coming because something's coming no mm-hmm. matter what. Yeah. And so it it's our responsibility. Yeah, I love it. Um, so the last one you gave us was the table maintenance. What did you mean by that? Come on, Right. You see it all. Yeah. Everything happens on the table, and it's it's this simple. So, right, here's this simple. Every time you pass a table, what needs to come on, what needs to come off? If you always ask that from yourself, you've got it. What needs to go on, what needs to come off? And so I try to simplify that because the table is the centerpiece, and it needs to be clean, and it needs to look good, and it's just an incredible opportunity to be able to show people to trust us and we care. And that's all we're looking to do. Well, it's one of the things we're looking to do is constantly look for reasons to show people that they should trust us. Mm. I will walk in and it kills me to watch the table maintenance. And I will watch managers literally talk to guests for 10 minutes and not see that the water needed to be filled and not take care of anything like that because their eyes... That's how you read the room. You, with the body language and then the, what's, what's the table saying to you? Where are they? Like It's yeah. telling you everything. Yeah. So table maintenance, it's the centerpiece. And the clutter of the table is how the guest's going to feel. Yeah. How organized they'll feel. So it's just that simple. There yeah. you go. I'm curious, where are you on the pre-busting rules? Some people say, you know, if, it's, if the plate's empty, like take it away. But some people say... if you have to wait until both plates are empty. Where do you stand on that? Um, a beautiful, elegant, elderly lady told me years ago, don't ever let a lady eat alone. In which case, don't take the plate if she's still eating. I loved that line. And, <laughs> and I'm all into the modern world. And I, and I struggle a little bit through, uh, you go through gender equality and all yeah. that. But still to be uh, a mensch would be a term, a good person that wants to make people feel good in tradition. So that's the first thing. But I think pre-bussing is important. I think it depends on the experience. If you go to fine dining, try to take it all together. Really look to, to the elegance of the choreography of the moment. So I think depends. it's situational. I, I think it's fully situational. Yeah. If somebody th- puts a napkin in their plate, get rid of it. Yeah. Right? If somebody's showing you the signs, get rid of it because it's, 
it's a piece of work. It's, it's an art installation, the table. The restaurant's an art installation. I tell everybody who, who comes and works for organizations that I'm a part of, you're a player in an installation. You have a role to play. In keeping the installation looking good, that's part of it. Whether or not we put salt and pepper on the table or not, that's part of the installation. It's a design choice. So all of this is an extension. So read the moment. Know the, um, know the service that you're looking to deliver. But try to not let people be sitting there eating alone and try to balance as much choreography as possible. I love swarm swarm service. When people come in together and and clear a table, serve a table, that's just sexy. Yeah, it's just like a sw- so swift and smooth. Yeah. Um, I can't believe we're already almost at an hour of recording time, man. Time's going by so quickly with you. You're dropping gold on us. Uh, I'm going to let you kind of uh, choose the rest of our uh, like chart your own course, man. Like, right, what do you right, what do right. you want to talk about? What What do you think that you have? I mean, we obviously you know you were the spent the time with the mommy with the um, sweet lady Jane and the, the uh, Madeira. Am I saying that? Madeira yeah, the Madeira group, group. Um, live and kicking and growing. Were, God bless. Were there areas um, that you think you grew mo- most as a professional, or key takeaways, lessons you learned? You tried to open a rest your own place at one point, did you not? Well, I, I, I was, uh, I've invested in different restaurants. Um, I've been a part of that, and then I, I went and to do my own uh, concept and really shit the bed on the tasting with the chef. I get, you know, there's always that idea of we want to give them enough room, um, but not enough room to hang themselves, right? And I did. And that's all on me. So look, extreme ownership. I'm a fan of that. That's my philosophy. It all comes up to me. I, I let that go a little loose so I didn't open it up. So, right, there's a lot to unpack. I think it's which path that we want to go down so we can kind of hit some points and see what... what which path is going to excite you the most? I love, I love the philosophy of how do you... How do you f- help somebody realize a, a, a dream and how do you help them grow it? And what's your part inside of it? Mm. So let's see where this kind of goes for a second, right? Say that one more time. How do you help somebody realize a dream and grow their dream? Grow their dream. What's your role inside of it? And what do you get out of it? And how do you, how do you build that? And what are some lessons and, and nuggets that have landed along the way that maybe we can, we can kind of carry through, um, through this? So Umami was great because Umami Burger was... Um, and an opportunity to come in as, as a director of service and grow to uh, helping to take it to from five to 15, 17 locations. And so that was really cool because Umami Burger was an incredibly cool place that was out the door, right? There were people that were just, you need to have a, I mean, to be a part of a concept that was literally people waiting an hour and a half a night was magical. So what we had to do was figure out how do you keep the soul in the magic sauce but scale it. And with that, I started to recognize again carrying over from Cube, put processes in place, hire right, and let people be themselves. Culture, a lot of people worry about, you know, culture is this magic word. I'm actually trying to find a new word for culture. I think it's farming, right. funny enough, because it's organic, you want to see how people come together and, and, and express themselves. But something that I think is interesting is the way that you can have authenticity and culture, because every location is going to have its own pH balance. It's going to have its culture to it. And it needs to be a part of this bigger cultural brand is you, you clarify what the branding is. You clarify what the core values are. You hire right, but you put processes in place that allow people to be themselves 
and to express and celebrate and deliver the culture because you've put these processes and these systems in yeah. place. I like the analogy of uh, banks to a river, right? The, the banks of the river are going to keep you going in a general direction, but within those boundaries, like you can swirl around the rocks, you can go, you know, you can be ingested by a fish, like whatever, you know what right, I'm saying? Right. Like, it's like whatever you want to do, that's your natural path within these boundaries. And like you, the culture guides them there. That's the, like the way the culture guides them there. Yeah. And what are you filling the, the river with? Right. Are you paying attention to who gets along, what works, um, and what, what works and how are you curating this, this natural environment and then letting it grow and let it be a part of what it is. It's good, it's bad, all that that is. Processes and systems l- help put the guardrails together yeah. so that people can be themselves and culture can drive and grow. And that was really important. And that's something that I learned that I brought to Umami and was really important that I had learned. And I think for everybody that you know how important it is. What's interesting, here's an interesting thing. Here's something that I learned, a bad lesson there. I grew too fast. I knew that... You grew too fast. I grew too fast. Umami grew too fast. I grew too fast in the positions in the company. Okay. And so here's a vulnerable moment. And I... Realize that for service to be great, you need, for hospitality to be great, you need to have service. Well, there's a lot of arguments with that, but I think, you know, if you don't, if, if there isn't a fork waiting for me, I'd rather have that before I care if you knew my name or not. Yeah. Right? So get the details down. So I needed to get into the service. Then for that to be right, you need to have the operations in place. So I then took over and climbed to the ranks of vice president of operations. And I helped them scale. And I started to oversee a lot of people. I wasn't ready to be a leader of a company that big. What were you missing? Uh, probably under learning some of the rules myself. Like I learned there, but I should have learned it before that it's not a democracy. Okay, it's it's you want to be nice. You need input. You surround yourself with smart people. You don't. You surround yourself with smart people, and you listen and you learn. But in the end, you got to make a decision. Mm. People would rather follow. I, I try to say this in a way that people understand it, but I believe, well, no, I know, you would rather follow conviction and decisiveness off a cliff twice than indifference. Mm. You would rather follow me if I'm telling you it's where we're going and I take us off the cliff, but I brush it off and say, this is 100% where to go. You would follow me again rather than, what do you think? What do you think we should do? And being a little soft and wanting to be liked by them and where it is. And so I did a good job. I got them to a particular point, took the reins to a point. They then got a great investment, started to scale. Um, and they wanted to grow bigger than I wanted to at a particular point too. So it was, it was just sort of the right time to, to, to move on per se. But I within myself recognized also that I needed to learn my own leadership. And then I went down my own path of leadership. I, it was great for a small independent restaurant. It was great for five. It was great for seven, eight, nine. Once you really start to grow for upper management of upper management, you're, 
you're overseeing the multi-unit managers and all that, there's a different level of leadership that you have to develop. And that, that's a, a sense of decisiveness is what I'm picking up from you. It's, just, it's knowing when to give rope, when to be decisive, how to set the expectations, having the confidence in the expectations that you're sending. Um, I was kind of like self-made. Were you not, or were you kind of like, this is how we should do it? Like, like what does that look like? Kind yeah, of- I guess it's, it's, <laughs> it's, hey, what do you think? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And passion got me far. Energy got me far. But yeah, and also just how to, I don't know, it's weird, but that people are really looking for you to, to decide to grow and to be tough, to make yeah. rough decisions. They're putting you in that position to, to steer the ship, right? Yeah, and, uh, and I had vision. Oh, I had vision for it. Oh, man, did I? No, but like yeah. I had vision on it, and that, and that I love, and that was great. But there comes a point that I find, at least with myself, that I'm, I'm fantastic through to the vision, and then you start to move where then it's just about managing it, keeping the train on the tracks, the wheels, and actually being much more commanding and controlling of the moment. You need the inspiration, but I do best putting it on the track, putting the boat in the water. Let's go back to that analogy. Helping ship, charting the course, getting the direction, getting everybody going, and then getting it out to sea. I love that side of it. I love it. Yeah. Um, so over 40 restaurant openings at this point? Uh, no, no. That, that came... That came later. I did a bunch. I helped people. I was an, I was a consultant. I um, I was a consultant. Sorry, for me one sec. No, do what you got to do. Drinking a little water out there, kids. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, Eric gets you going. He gets you talking. <laughs> um, You're doing great, man. I'm loving the conversation. I really am. Uh, so keep going. What were you gonna say? I then wanted to go on my own studies, and and so I went back and I started opening up independent places, and started to really develop my training um, program a little bit further. And that was really starting to be what I loved and moving into it, this idea that I know how to, from soup to nuts, build a system that I can present to independent restaurant operators, take all the stuff that I learned growing the big boys, bringing it into the, the independent style, and that's still my love of today, which are all of these techniques because no matter who you are, there's still the basics, again, if you're, the style of service, the 20 points, this and that, show up with a blueprint, a style of service, a way of managing people, and giving the accountability. I had learned there, and then probably a couple consulting gigs after, what I realized is just, again, so simple. And that's what I keep coming back to. How do you simplify it? Every employee just needs to know two things. What does it mean to be doing a good job? And am I doing a good job? Okay. What does it mean to be doing a good job? Am I doing a good job? So you got to paint that picture of perfection, basically, right? You got to set the expectation. You got to paint the picture. This is the vision. This is what we're seeing. I mean, it sounds easy, but it's not. This is the steps of service. This is how it ties together. This is our story. Mm -hmm. This is the art installation. This is the coherency. This is what we expect of you from safety. Sometimes what does it mean to be doing a, doing a good job is in our food handler. Sometimes it's in our anti-harassment training. Sometimes it's in the employee handbook. Sometimes it's in all of these types of elements. But what does it mean to be doing a good job? Pardon me there. Am it's I a do- lot of talking. <laughs> yeah, there. sorry there, guy. <laughs> You're doing great. Yeah, yeah. Um, and am I doing a good job? And so setting up the expectation, but then, and putting the guardrails, going back to that, the bank's, in the processes, did you, when they showed up day one, did you lay out the roles and responsibilities? 
Did you give a way to measure those roles and responsibilities? And then are you following up on those roles and responsibilities? Right. And I think that's where the am I doing it right comes in. Cause like, I think it's pretty clear. Like what's the job done right. Look like this is the systems. Like these are checklists. These are standards. These are protocols. These are um, literally the, the a, a picture of what the line should look like when everything in its place. Right? Exactly. Like this is the, what it should look like. That's right. the aiming point, but dive a little bit more into, am I doing it right? And that's a, that's a hard one. Yeah. Because you want to have, sometimes it's just as simple as a couple casual conversations Hey man, great job. I really believe in positive authority. I think if you're a young supervisor, I don't care if if you're top of the line. I mean, I walk through as the chief operating officer and partner and all I would do is dole out compliments that I meant. You know, I'm not there to critique them. I'll have a side conversation with the, you want to work through the chain of command. You know, you, you really want to work through the chain of command. So I'll have a side conversation with, if it's my VP to my director to the GM, you always want to work through the chain of command so that A, you respect them, and B, they know the expectation. Mm-hmm. But I saw, so hey, great job in that carry. My big thing is bottom 50%. Hold the glass to bottom 50%. Say thank you a thousand times when you see it. But if you're a 20-year-old supervisor, 23-year-old supervisor growing up and you're listening to this, better than pointing out what somebody did something wrong, you want to, you want to establish your authority? Point out what they did right. Yes. They're going to love it. You're going to move into a position of hierarchy just by giving them compliments. You're going to move into the psychology of this authoritative figure, parental, whatnot. They're going to want to start to seek and look to earn your Positive reinforcement, not negative, uh, the opposite of positive reinforcement. Yeah, 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 negative, right, right. Negative reinforcement. Right, don't be an asshole. But but positive reinforcement, positive authority Mm. is now... I always like to put a little caption on it. So uh, uh, TM, trademark, you know, so the positive authority of it is establish yourself through that. So back to feedback, casual conversations. I agree. There's, a, there's been a lot of shift. So there's been a lot of shift in do you have the annual review? That's because, where I was wondering yeah. if the reviews or quarterly reviews or what's going on there. I think it's your department, but I don't like the annual review because people expect a raise. Mm. Also, it's way Ooh. too long to talk about waiting for what people like. I th- I like quarterly. I like quick little sit down. So you're going to come into my organization. You're going to get a scorecard. And the scorecard is going to list what does it mean to be doing a good job. And it's going to fit on one page. You're going to learn training of all these expectations. But you're going to get a simple scorecard showing up, how you look, da-da-da. If I want to hit the, the key points if you're a cashier, repeating the order back, you know, if everything's important, nothing's important. So really simplify it into few things that can sit in a few bullet points. Mm-hmm. Reinforce those. Those get reinforced it, reinforced, reinforced reinforced <laughs> monthly, maybe quarterly. Okay. Depends on how it is. Quick sit downs. Now, if you are going to have formal documentation of them, this is a an HR conversation right now. If you're going to formally document somebody does great or whatnot and you're not feeling it and you're not documenting when they're not doing well. That's huge. I think we're probably going to dive into this. You connect me with my boy, Aaron, or your yeah. boy, Aaron, Aaron Colby. Uh, I think we're going to dive into the importance of some of this stuff. Yeah, he is a wealth of yeah. knowledge. And and all, anyone listening, listen to Aaron. Aaron helped uh, consulted on the anti-harassment course that I'm that, – I've put together for our industry as well as just he's been a lawyer I've used and and he's going to get into that where 
have you clarified the expectation and have you clarified how somebody is doing there? Because in the, in the age of lawsuits, retaliation and all that's going on, you need a paper trail. The show. You need a paper trail. Yeah. And too many people will not have the difficult conversation. They'll only have the right ones. You're setting them up for failure and yourself up for failure. No one needs should be fired without knowing what was coming. Yeah. You failed them. So like the first time there's basically, so if something happens, you sit them down and you say, hey, like this is the expectation. This is where you are. It's short of the expectation. You're aware that you're short of the expectation. Do you understand? Yes. Okay. What's, and then you offer them a path towards mm. Getting there. Mm. You can't just say, this is where you're missing. We got it. Got you. Good. So, okay, so you're not repeating the orders back. How do we make this happen? Okay, what's the last thing you usually say? Great. So now every time you say, thank you, connect the word thank you with repeat. Thank you. Repeat. Oh, wait, I didn't repeat. And hopefully you catch it before. Let's start to role play this. Let's practice this. Every day before the shift, you and I are going to do a practice run where you're going to repeat the order back to me. Don't just tell them what they need to improve on. Be a part of the process of their improvement. What about the process of documenting this stuff? What advice do you have for where this should be living, what it should look like? Is there a Google document? Is it, is it online? Is it hard copy? Like, like what, what's that look like done right? Well, for some operators, they're just paper trail places, right? They're not, even, they're not using online schedulers. They're just, you know, it's posted in the back, and I respect that. So have a corrective action form. You can get them online. You can get them from resources. You should have some form of uh, human resource representative. Corrective action is a document. Correct. A can. Yep. It's a notice that documents, this is what I want. This is what we've talked about. Do you have a blueprint by any chance? Is there one that you can share with us? Uh, Sure. Yeah, that'd be sure. And Aaron definitely will have these, but but absolutely. Um, And you want to have that, and you want to train the people how to have this conversation. It's really important that your supervisors, your supervisors are everything. They're the glue between expectations and success or results. So they need to know this. They shouldn't be writing people up necessarily, people that are high. And that's what writing up, we talk about them is. And it's a coaching conversation. Mm. And sure, you know, we can provide a blueprint, but you want to make sure that you're documenting it. You want to make sure that you're clarifying what it is. There are, I'm a huge fan of online. I think your scheduling should be online because why do you need to start texting 10 people? Let's talk about scheduling. Why do you need to start texting 10 people to ask them, um, can you come in? Nope. Set it up. Efficiency and steps, right? Oh, my God. Get <laughs> I, I know how to get 20% of your life back in a day yeah. to managers. So Harry, H-A-R-R-I, just to prop him, is somebody that yeah. I use and I like it. I like him for their scheduling. I like him for their H-R-I-S, which is you know a human resource management system. You've got other ones out there um, that are great. That they'll, they're, they're where you have your documents and your onboarding. Go digital onboarding to everybody. Sure, you can store it in Google Docs, do it, but it's really worth it. Get in the digital game. Do it. Even if you're a small-time operator, you're going to get time back. Yeah, you're gonna get time back. And that's and you're the gonna thing. Document what's it. what's time worth, right? If you're, let's say, if you're a restaurant owner, is is it fair to say your time's worth fifty dollars an hour as a restaurant owner? Is that too too generous? Maybe. Sure, no. It, it sometimes it's depends if if you're missing your kid's soccer game. That that hour is a thousand bucks. Where's your value? Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. So the thing is, like, what's your time worth? And if you're looking at the pennies, and you're like, oh, like I could save, you know, a hundred dollars a month. Well, how much time are you going to lose not having this? I think that's the question when you're trying to make decisions. Time is the ultimate 
variable in my opinion. Like what, what's your time worth? And if you're going to save that time and if the time you save is more valuable than what that thing costs and if you can delegate something easier, right? You can empower your team with this tool. Like do then, it. Yeah. Um, so Harry's the one you recommend. I always love getting recommendations. Yeah, yeah. I think Harry's great. Harry's great because they'll work with you independent and then if you're scaling and growing, um, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll be part of the process and they'll scale and grow with you. And then you can just start to add people, but there's great schedulers out there. There's great HRI systems, human resource management systems, um, that I love, but get in the tech game, Mm. get in the tech game. It's simple. A lot of your POS providers will have things that will attach onto it. Get your ecosystem going. Yeah. It's just, and plus you don't know. So I'm moving into online training more and more because I've built tons of training programs for companies. Here you go. I built tons of training programs for companies and independent companies and restaurant groups. And it will, I'll print them all out and I'll leave them and they'll pay me good for it. And well, they'll pay me well for it. And um, here we go back. And I'll come back in a month or two and and it's saved in a Google Doc. It's and, not being used. <laughs> so like, well, in the left yeah. turnover, but they ran out and they didn't print it. Yeah. You know what? Fine. I'm converting my training into 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 you know SaaS models and into learning management systems for the small businesses, so that it's just there and the information manages up. Mm. You want to create all the systems, especially as an owner. That you don't have to micromanage down. You've put everything in place that the information manages up to you. What do you mean by man- the information manages up? Like, break that down. What do you mean by that? Side worksheets. Here we go, right? Let's just talk about the paper trail. Let me take a step back. Culture. I wanted to fit this in at some point, and this seems like a right to do. It's not feel too incongruous. I've come into places where they've, they've been open for a few months, and they've said to me, Look, we don't understand it. The staff is ready to kill each other. We did trust falls, team building, everything. They walked in like they were ready to go to war together. They're the greatest team in the world. I don't know what's happening. And, and aside from if they're making money or not, if they're not making money, that, that messes with people. Yeah. But my first question is, let me see your side worksheets. Well, we don't have them. There you go. There's your accountability right then and there. Dude, I'm so happy you're going with accountability. I literally wrote this down as the next thing I want to talk about. It is. So that's the setting it up for success. And the, and the feedback should be also in the accountability. So feedback, if you can automate the feedback, how am I doing and all that, because it's the accountability, it's everything. So a simple little side worksheet, it's because Jane leaves, Andy uh, won't let the place go, so they'll do the side worksheets, but always gets upset. But Jane and Andy kind of drink and get beers afterwards, so they don't want to say anything to each other. But it's kind of weird. And you know what? Don't put your team into a position that they have to manage or police themselves. Set them up with the accountability for the side worksheets. Side worksheets are also great because I don't have to say to somebody on the way out the door, hey, did you you polish the silverware? Did you initial it? Now it's done. Bring me the sheet. Yeah. So what's it? So the, the... I used... I spent some time with this little organization in uh, New Hampshire, Exeter, New Hampshire called Laney and Lou and their, their side worksheet, um, their checklist. It's just basically one sheet for the week. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's everything you need to get done. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like, so on the X axis, X is horizontal, right? Yeah. X axis. Um, like, you know, it's, it's the days of the week. 
on the y-axis is like the, the items that need to get done, right? The sections the and the items that need to get done. And what you're doing is you use the same sheet every week and you go through and you initial your name next to that, that line item, right? And um, then some there's another space where somebody can sign off that I got done, like, like a, yeah. a supervisor or like your your accountability partner or like whatever. Right, and that's is that, is that the model you use, or is there? I usually about? use it per day. Okay, um, I, I like to go per day because it's kind of easier and cleaner to see to walk up. Because the busier it is, the harder it is to to flash yeah. micro, to flash manage. I'm, it. I'm close with Jen Jeroser, the owner of that place. I'm, I'm sure she'd probably be able to. She'd be willing to yeah. share that with me if you guys are, want to see what I'm talking about. I'll that's try to cool. remember. No, and I'd love to see it too yeah. because whatever works. Because some people have side work. You know, if there's 50 things on there, it doesn't work. If there's five, it works. Um, some people, you know, laminate it. Mm-hmm. And then you just, you change it every day, which is good. I think at the beginning what you do is you have the sheets and you keep them so that you know who's doing stuff and who isn't doing stuff. And then uh, um, then you get to a particular point that you laminate it. Yeah. And so then you, you don't need to waste paper because also, why do we move to digital? Save the trees, man. Yeah. Like we need to be sustainable yeah. in our processes, in our procedures, and in the products that we use. We need to be sustainable. So one other w- word on accountability. I feel like when we talk about accountability, it's always from like our level down. I hate to use that analogy down. We should say up. Like, But you know, like it's it's the management or ownership next week. And then we're, we're freaking about how can we keep them accountable? But what about accountability among partners and among ownership and among the executive level? Where do, what is that? Set the expectations. So many people don't know what their job is or the roles and responsibilities. You, you need to divide up. So if you're a, have your quarterly, um, or your, your annual retreat, if you've got a multi-restaurant group, if you're just a single or a few, have your quarterly retreat. I, I'm a fan of rocks which is the philosophy of you build your quarterly goals, your tenure, your five-year, and we'll get into this in the book philosophy, but I think you just need to set where are we going, what's the expectation, what's our five-year, three-year, one-year goals, maybe you don't need your 10 or your five, what's our goals, how does that break up into 90-day rocks, what is each one of us, what's, what's each one of our responsibilities to it, so back again, do enough people clarify, not enough people clarify the each person's strength and there's role. So many business coaches come in and the first thing they do is say, what's your job? Well, my, and then they all, and you, all the inefficiencies and overlapping. I've gone to so many restaurant openings I've been a part of and five people are doing the damn same damn thing. Mm. It's so important to me to have the first huddle, break it up. And then if it's documented, then you can hold each other accountable first, but don't assume everybody knows what, what's expected of them. I've gotten in trouble and I've pissed people off because they're like, you're, you're structuring it a little too much. You're right. But better to start with that and back off a little bit than to completely come unstructured because it's not, it's not suffocating it. It's not. It's again going to saying, let's put the walls up. Let's put the banks up. Then we can flow freely and be ourselves and come to rise. So how do we hold each other accountable as partners? We set what the accountability looks like and yeah. what the expectation so looks like in the first place. So we can meet that expectation and we know it's met and then our anxieties are gone. Like all the things we're worrying about, we, we did the job right. Now we can be ourselves. One you person's know? a CEO, one person's a president. Technically speaking, there are differences, right? To me, typically, president looks inward, CEO looks outward. But maybe read a different book. It's a different philosophy. 
So do they know what that means? Who's responsible for what? A Speaking the same language, I think Mario Del Perro got really good into this. He said, like, a culture is literally, what is a culture? It's a series of people speaking, using the same words, speaking the same language so they can understand each other and having the same rituals, right? And I think that he broke it down really good. It's a, it's a recent episode. And I think I cut you short if I did. No, but anytime you can talk about Mario, yeah, as, right? as we said, whether you're calling it or not, uh, <laughs> the nice guy finished first. Right. So he, yeah. he's, in, he's incredible. Um, what he's great at is, is, you have to set what the voice is. Mm. Don't expect the people to build the voice. You as the leader, as the visionary, as the person who has the idea, sets the language of the voice. Uh, through the, sets the voice through the language and the words that you use. Mm. Um, that's really important. But to hear, and on my kind, it's, what I'm talking about is just, it's, it's defining what your role is and making sure we're both, we're both clear on it. Beautiful. Is there anything that you did not get out? Now's the time to get it out before we go to the speed round. So much, um, <laughs> but this is great, and I, I hope everyone finds value in it. Um, You've been great, man. I've really enjoyed this conversation. There's been tons of value. I can reassure you. Yeah, that's good. Um, there was another one that was kind of holding on to. No, I think I think really the biggest takeaway is know where your value lies. Know where everybody else what's expected of them. Make sure everyone's clear on it. Make sure you're having these conversations. Manage things out of your hands. Um, oh, there was something I was going to say real quick. I learned from one of my teammates, employees, that it wasn't, and we were saying this before, and I do want to get this out, it's not, we'll get it done. Because I was saying, we'll get it done. And I was saying this at Umami. It's not, we'll get it done. Who's responsible and when? Mm. And that's when shit starts to happen. Who's responsible and for when, not we'll get it done. And so if you have a partnership if you're in any type of situation, I create critical paths before we go into an opening and a critical path before every opening, and I can share, and, and before every opening, it's documenting the timeline, what do we need to do, who's responsible for what, and when does it get done. We save millions of dollars and years on openings simply by that one document. So that is a huge yeah. Huge takeaway. Yeah, they dedicated a whole chapter to it in uh, the E Myth, right? The, the getting the hierarchy right, and then let, like writing down everybody's responsibility on that hierarchy, and just getting it out there so everybody knows who's responsible for what. Yeah, so and, and then what they're responsible for yeah. is laid out. That that's huge. That's going to save everybody millions of dollars, sleepless nights, and headaches. Um, this has been an episode about accountability, man. I love it. And I don't know if that, it's never, it's almost never intentional, like where we end up, what the conversation's about, but there's been tons of value in this one around that subject. Can I jump back also into one quick thing? Cause I yeah, know, please, right? Please, I, please. I could go forever. There's a few more I'm thinking about, but only because this is something that was important to me that I learned that hopefully other operators listening to this think about too is going back to time value. I, I remember when I had learned. I wanted to be the person that was hustling, right? I wanted to show my team, oh, we got to get copies made. So I had a, a, a director, right? And we had, to, we had to get copies made. And it was that idea of like, okay, I, I can go do it and because I'm going to be there for my team. Sure. But what's not happening while I'm doing that? Mm. Or it, what's not happening that only I can do? Right. And yeah. so can't I, if I hire a, a somebody to, to drive these copies, that's going to cost me 50 bucks. So it's going to be, 
50 bucks total. So if it's three hours, so is my time value less than $20 an hour for doing something? And so if you really look at what you're doing and what your team's doing and you break up based on what you would pay them per hour for doing that and to make sure your management is not doing $10 an hour work as managers, you're giving them the power. I know we've got to balance labor and but it all comes to the idea, you know, what we're spending, but it, it pays it back. So I wanted to get this in. Look at your team. Set your team up for success. Make sure your leaders, sometimes they got to do the $10 an hour work, but make sure they're not doing all the $10 an hour work. Yeah. Give them time to sleep. Let them work on other stuff. Let them work on the business, not in the business. Reflect on that. Everybody's time value. Don't expect them. Give them that time back. That's really important. I wanted that to make sure that that was a takeaway. No, thank you for adding that. And one question I've been asking all my guests uh, before we go to the speed round is the mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. The way I'm going to transform the industry is making an example of people like you and how you've transformed. So how have you transformed? Who are you today? Who's the man you are today versus the man you were back in 2005, 2006, getting started in this industry? Well, you were 14 years old, yeah. but you weren't a man then. No, no. Yeah, I was. I was bar mitzvah. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, um, I think it's it's about you know it's funny I I I kind of call myself the Jewish mother of the of the organizations that I'm a part of and so and what that means is like loving but also strict and so I've transformed into learning to know to say no and I've transformed into somebody you know I, I, I sorry to Smith and Walensky people out there but I survived Smith and Walensky we can do a whole topic. On Smith and Walensky because it's like you got to pay this and do this and tip out this and get this and all this stuff and and you just learned the gruff of it all and then I served became a soft leader and was maybe a little bit too soft afterwards and I wasn't a leader there but but I'd learned that lead with love trust myself if it's time to be a little bit strict stand behind it because my intentions are in the right place and to follow my intentions and to follow my heart and when i said the jewish mother part it's because i get strict when people aren't treating each other right mm. and so i've transformed into somebody who's very confident in setting the vision of the expectations of the culture putting people in the right positions putting the accountability in the right place and making sure Everyone knows how to rock and roll through it. So that's it. Learning how to not overcompensate throughout the years. That's been my mission statement. The self-confidence into knowing what I want, knowing what I want out of somebody else, and helping them find their way. Sometimes you got to let them go. Sometimes you got to coach them up. But I'm confident that I'm doing it the right way. Yes, man. I've loved this chat. Uh, It's been great. Uh, We're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors. And we'll be right back to bust out a true speed round. This episode is brought to you by Bento Box. Bento Box empowers restaurants to own their presence, profits, and relationships directly through their websites. And that last bit there, relationships, is especially important right now as we're being forced to be away from our guests. There's not much a restaurant can own directly. During these difficult times, but they can own their online presence and Bento Boss can help. Restaurants are currently having to make significant changes to their operations and Bento Box is setting up gift card processing in online ordering stores in as little as four days to support restaurants during this challenging time. 
Look, you have a lot to manage right now. And with Bento Box, you get full service support, integration, and analytics anytime you need it. One less thing to worry about. With Bento Box, you can drive revenue and keep your guests up to date. Restaurant Unstoppable listeners get 50% off setup fees at getbento.com slash unstoppable. If you're sick of paying multiple vendors and services to outfit your restaurant needs only to deal with the frustrations of technology that's clunky and void of that seamless experience that you so need, then you've got to check out Restaurant 365, a cloud-based restaurant-specific accounting and back-office platform that seamlessly integrates with your POS system, payroll provider, food and beverage vendors, and banks. With Restaurant 365, you'll have real-time reporting and analysis to make the best and most data-driven decisions. No more guessing. Other features include detailed daily and labor data from your POS system, accounts payable automation, automated bank reconciliation, incorporated inventory management with guidance on reducing your food costs, and scheduling features to reduce labor costs and engage your employees, all saving you time, money, and headaches. Take action today and find out how Restaurant 365 is saving restaurant owners up to 5% on prime costs that's awesome head over to restaurant365.com slash unstoppable and qualify for 30 percent off implementation and get a free inventory build within the system a value of 5k we're back and the first question i have for you is what is your it factor a habit a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success I'd say my energy, mm, the way i like huge. to bring it and build the room yeah and you can be mindful of that energy because you Energy is transferable, right? And it goes both ways. So either you're bringing a room down or you're bringing it up. And you have to be higher. You, you got you to be mindful when you walk into that door. Where's my energy? You have to be willing to understand that it's you got to be bringing people up to your, to your level. Use your energy like a tool, not a weapon. Yes, I love it. That's it. Uh, what is your biggest weakness? I think I can get lost in the office uh, at least when I was really running with restaurants, get lost in the office and not go down to the floor and get in the weeds enough. Mm. And I think we need to, no matter what position where we are, we need to get on the front lines a lot. And I, I'd get lost. And that would, that's a weakness. Yeah. Uh, what is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process? When you're building teams, what qualities are you looking for? I, I look for passion. So I, I always ask a question about something that they love. I try to, I'll just, not non sequitur go to hey what do you listen to now and something maybe not as obvious because if they're not going to light up about something like that they're not going to light up about anything and people talk about that but my general philosophy is i'm not going to try to tell anybody to get off the couch if they're in motion i'm going to help direct them what's your biggest challenge today this is probably your your consulting right now so well, it might not be as relative but. well no no right not inside there i'm building an online compliance business yep. and it was based on an anti-harassment law that then got punted for a year so that that kind of when you do your swat analysis of your threats yeah that was a little bit of a challenge but we're turning it into a strength. legal yeah legal le- le- legal legal environmental well that the governor changed the law that what that i was literally using so in california you had to get uh anti-arrest training by 2020 January they pushed it now to 2021 okay and so I had all these pre-sales ready to go and then they pushed a little bit yeah this isn't urgent anymore (laughs) but a lot of the great operators understand that they still need it and so it's working and it's coming around 
what's great about it actually is that they're able to now turn it into more of a less of a panic and more of a just let's roll this out at the right pace mm-hmm. um so that there it is got you uh what is one code of conduct or behavior you've taught teams in the past a way to be a way to act this is a core value understanding 100 mm. percent. we're all a little messed up what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is a way to go above and beyond what's expected from the guests. Common within your four walls, not common throughout the industry. I guess I didn't. I don't see it as above and beyond, but I, here's an interesting one. Just to be authentic to the point that so somewhat uncommon is like, as a host, don't say how are you today if you don't really mean it. Yeah. Don't don't throw in an authentic conversation like that. Yeah. Say welcome. Yeah. But don't the, say that's the word that was in my head. Yeah. Say welcome. So even as a cashier, hi, how are you? And then you're moving on to the next one. You lost me. Mm. It's inauthentic. Yeah. I dig it. Uh, share one. Book that is a much read that is a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner. Traction by Gino Wickman. Biggest lesson from that book. Uh, set the vision and divide up the responsibilities and make sure you're actually communicating that vision to the team. Many times people at the top think everyone knows what they're where they're going, where we're all going, and they have no idea. Mm. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? Side worksheets, mm. accountability mm-hmm. measures, and to have that difficult conversation when you need it because they're not doing it. Great. Uh, name one service you've hired. So this is basically uh, a person that you've outsourced to come into your business. It could be accounting. It could be design. It could be um, service man. Like You know what I'm saying? Like The person, like this is you essentially. Like What you do, people hire you to come in. I'm looking for somebody that you've recognized that, that has a certain skill that they- Aaron Colby. Aaron Colby. There we Aaron go. Aaron Colby. Davis Wright Tremaine, law firm, um, my law firm, your law firm. Yeah. They're fantastic. It's, it's, you know, there's a great line. You think an expert's expensive? What do you see what an amateur will end up costing you? <laughs> yeah. And I, we actually have Aaron queued up. He's going to be, uh, we're going to be recording an episode all around. Uh, I'm still kind of not really sure exactly wh- which direction we're going to go, but it's going to be around employee, uh, basically, uh, I think I, there's a word that's escaping my mind right now. Employment law. Employment law. But there's another compliance. That's the word I was looking for. He is. So to let everyone know, right? If I can say right, arrow up and arrow up training dot <laughs> com is my is my site. And we built a, an incredible groundbreaking anti-harassment training for the restaurant group. And Aaron helped me build that to make sure that we were absolutely protecting yeah. the business. But I got to create the the breadth of the conversation. And I got to connect with him on the phone. He's got great energy. So you guys are in for a treat. Um, what is one technology that you've adopted or that you recommend restaurant owners and operators adopt to have a huge impact on their business? So can I give two real quick? Cause yes. we talked about Harry. I think Harry's great because if you're, if you're growing it, it helps with scheduling applicant tracking and documentation and learning plate IQ mm. plate IQ is uh, scanning your invoices um, Bavik, so if you're listening, this one's, this one's for you, is the CEO. It's incredible because when you're spending so much, I don't care how big, if you have one location, you're spending so much time in the back coding your, your invoices. This, you take a snapshot of it, it's optical, it imports it, and it also looks against your previous invoices to know if anything's going up or down. So whatever your monthly is, very, very, very reasonable SaaS. Um, 
you're saving so much more than that in time and in your uh, um, your product. Beautiful. So we got Harry and Plate IQ. I'll be sure to link to those in the show notes. I'm not sure what episode number this is, so be sure to stick around for the closing thoughts. I'll fill you guys in. And this is the last question. It's a doozy. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? Okay. The first, try to laugh first. Mm. And laugh at your... Look to laughter first and laugh at yourself. I love it. Literally laugh at yourself. Secondly, hold the door more open for people. Literally and figuratively. Look for opportunities to hold the door. You see how much people will smile, and that's just literally holding the door. And it's crazy how, how taken back they are when it happens. So they're like, whoa. It's like... My pleasure. You know? So it's my pleasure. Yeah. Uh, um, and then thirdly, really, say thank you to people. If they hold the door open for you, do something for you, just say thank you. You yeah. know, really appreciate it. A follow-up email, a thank you, it really goes a long way. It does. Yeah, it does. Being recognized goes so far. This has been a great conversation. And, uh, we've I really kind appreciate of- it. I'll grab the book and have it over here. It's a... We got um, the Please Don't Sleep with the Host, uh, 40 and 49 other four, uh, sorry, and for the 49 other tips for managing, man, I can't read backwards. Managing a functional and profitable, <laughs> you won't be a good uh, uh, right? kindergarten teacher. Exactly. For managing in a functional and uh, profitable restaurant uh, right here. We're actually going to get you back on the show. We're going to do a back-to-back recording, actually. So you're going to be, this will be the next episode that airs. So after, if you're listening to Jason right now, you're like, that was great. I want more of Jason. We'll get ready. You're going to get more. We're, we're going to cover, I think, 14 of the 50 yeah, tips yeah. is going to be the goal. Uh, we're just going to riff on them. Probably a shorter episode, but uh, you're about to get another dose of Jason, so stay tuned. And uh, how can we connect with you? If we want to maybe uh, look into the services you offer or maybe like hire you to come into one of our restaurants, like what's what's the, the best way to connect? So thank you. Uh, the website is arrowuptraining.com, yeah. and you, there you'll find the compliance and, and actually safety videos. Uh, we just did an incredible hand washing safety video, and to kind of get that yeah, out there, it's it's quite pertinent. But you'll see, like, <laughs> it's engaging. So yeah. you can find us there. Um, and Jason at Aero Certification. Sorry, to have a different name though. AeroCertification.com. You can reach me there. And at JD Burko is my uh, JDBERKO is my handle. And I'm trying to get a little bit better on the social media and, and having fun with this. So are, you can are we all? <laughs> you, you could you could find me there. And thank you everybody for for you know, listening and allowing us to really geek out on stuff that I love. Well, Jason, it was my pleasure to get you on the show. We're going to keep the, the recording going, maybe take a little bit of a lunch break. We'll be right back. But there is no questioning, my man. You are unstoppable. Woot woot. Cheers. There you go. Another one in the archive here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Jason Berkowitz, I told you he did a great job. Tons of incredible advice in today's conversation. The major takeaways for me in today's chat, uh, this idea of staying in your lane. Obviously, that's not the first time that's come up on the show, but whenever it does, I feel the need to just highlight it because it's so important to know what you're good at and to surround yourself with people who are strong where you're weak. It's that simple and that hard because you're going to attract these people onto yourself, which is why it's so important to be a great person behind every great restaurant is a great person. So focus on being great so you can attract onto yourself those people you need. I love this uh, idea of keeping it stupid 
stupid simple, right? Uh, what do what are the two things every employee needs to do their job well? Number one, what does the job done right look like? Number two, how am I doing? So simple, so so obvious, yet we just don't do that. We don't check in with our employees enough to make sure they know what the job done right looks like and if they are doing a good job. And then lastly, I love this ability this I, I sorry, this um idea of accountability. Uh, we need to hold our people accountable. We need to set those standards and make sure that they're meeting those standards every day. And I think that's kind of again that comes back into am I doing my job well? Um, but you need to let them know because these people they're not going to come out and ask you some will but most won't so you need to check in with them you need to let them know where they stand up against the standards and that's just another really important lesson and then just tons of really great advice around psychology in today's conversation jason berkowitz crushed it so uh guys i could use your help if you haven't noticed yet i've been publishing two to three episodes a day right now trying to stay on top of this coronavirus trying to give you guys the information you need to come out of this thing as unscathed as possible so if you have not been listening to that corona chronicle series i highly recommend you do and please reach out to me if there's somebody in your community who is getting super creative uh to find solutions to best weather the storm uh the idea behind those chronicles is to share best practices and come together just like the I mean, that's the mission of Restaurant Unstoppable, to share best practices and to, and to come together. But now is the time when we really need togetherness. So anybody who's just blowing it out of the water in your community and just needs to be made an example of, please let me know. All right, that's it for today. Until next time, peace out.